Welcome everyone to the Iron Legacy Podcast. I'm here, John Garner, with my co-host Josh Ellis. How are you doing today, Josh? Another beautiful day. Actually, you know, the weather's starting to change. I'm thankful for the good Lord, my beautiful baby girl, blinded family and friends, and ready to get this party started. So today we're going to be diving into nutrition a little bit. I've had a lot of people ask me questions over the years and recently about nutrition and a lot of questions people ask overcomplicate the process in the beginning. So if you're in the early stages, just keep in mind that simple's often a lot better and you can dive into the more intricacies of nutrition as you advance, but don't stress out about the small thing. Um, this is a saying, um, don't miss the forest for the trees or something like that where you focus on the one tree in front of you and you miss the entire forest. So make sure you take time to take in everything as a whole and not focus on that small variable and really start with the basics. Uh, we do have a few questions today that were asked for the podcast, one of them being pre-workout. Which pre-workout should you take and long-term effects on your organs and health of taking pre-workout? So I'll let Josh start us off with his opinion on pre-workout and what he likes, what he doesn't like, and what he's learned about it. So I have taken a variety of pre-workouts. Um, you know, when I first really started tapping into pre-workouts, I was doing a lot of high-intensity training, interval training, circuit training. You know, so STEM was my friend. Uh, and I'm talking high stem. And when I say high stem, you can actually look up. It's called Stimulate, uh, made by Phenoflex. Uh, S-T-I-M-U-L, the number eight. It actually has an exclamation point and a hazard uh, triangle you know, shape around it and says, you know, the effects of this are dangerous. That one's a thermogenic as well, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I well, I mean, they have, they have many kinds, but no. yes. Uh, those in particular, um, they're very... Very high dosage. Uh, if you're not used to tingling sensations, burning sensations, you will soon be accustomed to them, and uh, especially in the Stimulate uh, product. Um, if you're a STEM guy, I, I highly encourage you, you know, to use your stems, but do not use them daily. Do not use them faithfully. Uh, me speaking for myself, you need to pick, you know, because caffeine can do a lot of damage to you. Okay, not just mentally, but you know, your kidney function and everything else, you know, um, your body creates a level of ca- caffeine dopamine and it kind of, you know, wants to cap itself out like with coffee. Uh, a lot of individuals, they'll drink their coffee and eventually it gets to the point to where the coffee doesn't hold an effect. It's because that caffeine doses that the body can actually receive through the coffee is already at its limit. So really the only thing that you're doing when you drink your coffee is one for the taste or two to heat your body up. That's pretty much it. Um, that habit. Yeah, exactly. It it is the habit. Um, I like a I like a pre workout man that because when I get going, the blood starts flowing. It doesn't have to be a stem. Now, mind you, you know, late nights, early mornings, long days, that stem does play its part. Do you feel like you instantly see a performance dip if you don't have it, or do you feel like your performance is pretty steady with or without the caffeine? I feel like there are times where the no stem is obvious. Um, I do, I do, I do feel that, especially when you have to have a mindset to, you know, pull, you know, some top sets at doubles or triples, you know, just that, just that extra flame underneath your tail, but 90% over 90% load gets a little. Yeah, of course. Um, but no, for me, for me, I just go where I don't want to go inside my mind and relive. Uh, that is my pre-workout. If I don't have that stem, um, for me to really get underneath that bar or to get above that bar, uh, 
but I would definitely encourage someone to find a pre-workout that suits the programming that you're looking for, for one, and suits your off days or your lighter days compared to your heavy days. Um, rather, instead of an off day, I hope you're not taking pre-workout on an off day. Uh, <laughs> wake up in the morning, take a shot of um, pre-workout instead of coffee. Funny story to tie off of that real quick. When I worked at GNC as a sales associate, um, I got to try a lot of different pre-workouts, but our sales director, regional sales director, came down, and she had taken pre-workout beforehand the drive down from Phoenix to Payson, so about hour and a half drive. She took pre-workout to drive. She took another scoop of pre-workout, and this was the lit they have there, which is like pretty heavy on the beta alanine. Like you itch, and it's a pretty decent it's, mid-level pre-workout. I and liked it when I tried she, it. She was jazzing around and talking about it so naturally. I'm like, you're supposed to be a sales director and like know how to use this stuff responsibly, know about fitness. And I'm like, you're being retarded right now. Like, drink a bang, yo. And so that was just funny and tough. That she just drank to drive. I'm like, I can do that. They're itching while driving. Drive it crazy. Yeah, that's that's a bit much. Um, no, but for me, I the over the years of trying different kinds of uh, pre workouts and stuff, I wanted to uh, focus on you know getting the vasodilation going, better blood flow, um, focusing on the pump, focusing on the mindset uh, inside your training, you know, because the stem, you can kind of just fly off the handle type deal. Uh, there was one in particular called cocaine. Um, and it stood true to its name. I'm not even kidding. Um, it would make you feel like you're about to have a heart attack, uh, in the middle of, of, of training. But if you, if your body can sustain that, you know, on specific days, it will change your workout on that level as far as the, uh, the brand cocaine. But I would, I would definitely steer clear from that one at any given time. For me, my pre-workout though, I actually, um, actually, you know, do my own thing with my, with my pre-workout, um, I currently take the Untamed, you know, uh, which you know that I use uh, now. It's one of the brands that I'm trying now. They got two different kinds. They got the Cuts, and then they got the Untamed. Yeah, the Ape Shits. Uh, ape Shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, it is Ape Shit. My bad, it is. yeah. Ape Shit, Cuts, and, cuts then untamed. and Untamed. Yeah, yep. the two different ones. Uh, now, they're both stems, but they give you, you know, two options of doses. Uh, they give you a single dose. They give you a double dose. I take a single dose. Uh, I add beta alanine to my pre-workout uh, by itself. I add L-citrulline to my pre-workout by itself, my glutamine, uh, my leucine, I'm taking BCAAs, and then again, you know, we sip on, uh, you know, the, the intracells or the intra-workouts along with uh, EAAs, you know, to really keep the body highly fueled uh, without any kind of extra jitters. What about you? So, pre-workout, I was that guy, like, I've always been a junkie since I started working out on caffeine when I really got into it, but I was... The one thing I was guilty of was telling my mom or whatever, she's like, oh, don't take that pre-workout crap. I was like, oh, mom, I'd never take pre-workout. And a buddy of mine left for the Navy, and he had something. He's like, you want it? I was like, sure, I'll take it. But I didn't plan on taking it. It sat there for about a week, and I've always worked out in the morning. One morning I woke up, and I was dragging ass. I was like, I wonder. And I read it, and it says, to assess dosage, start with one scoop. I'm like, nah. Mm-hmm. I'm John Garner. I got this. I do two scoops, and I never went back. <laughs> I've had pre-workout almost every single workout non-stop since mid high school and i do not recommend that and i actually try to get people to steer away from that so a little talk about caffeine itself and its effect on you um caffeine affects your digestion puts you in a fight or flight mode heart rates up adrenaline's up makes it harder to digest makes it harder to function you'll find that if you rely on stimulants and caffeine for a long period of time you'll have what's called brain fog you'll get even when you drink it sometimes you just don't feel like you can get that hit your heart rate increases you feel a little jittery but your mental state is just not there that's called brain fog from too much uh caffeine on a regular basis 
you'll find that when people are abusing it and drinking it throughout the day, let's say pre-workout, a bang, an energy drink, you know, multiple times throughout the day, you're going to steer yourself into a hole and your body's just, you're going to lose performance in every other aspect of your life except for the gym maybe. And it's not worth losing that push everywhere else either because then you're not going to be a very uh, ambitious human, very functioning human. You can get a lot done if you feel like you need caffeine to function at any social event or any sort of work day or thing that you have to do. So myself personally, as far as caffeine and pre-workouts that I recommend for people when they start off, um, I try to get people to stick to under 200 milligrams caffeine a day. I do realize that's unlikely for most people to actually stick to that. Now, if you're a competition prep client, something like that for bodybuilding, that may be something I push more just because when you abuse caffeine to a high amount over a long term, when you're putting your body under that much stress anyway, you don't have anywhere to pull when you get really tired. So if you go into competition prep, abusing 500 milligrams of caffeine a day, 20 weeks out, you feel great. You're four weeks out and you feel like shit. Well, you can't put caffeine, more caffeine in now. You're already pretty much maxed out. If you add in more, it's not really going to help you versus if you weren't really utilizing it now when you're dragging ass and you're tired from dieting and doing so much cardio and lifting so much and still trying to maintain a sense of functionality in your life. Now you can bounce on that caffeine to help you. But as far as general people, I know a lot of people who abuse it and drink a lot of it throughout the day. But if you're looking to get started in pre-workout, Ghost has one. or um, The brand is Ghost, and their pre-workout is, I think, just Ghost as well. The way they brand things is a little different. But their pre-workout is 150 milligrams caffeine, but it's clinically dosed on your beta-alanine, betaine, anhedrous, creatine, and things like that as well. So you're getting the benefits of a high-stim pre-workout without the high-stim, but still getting enough in there to feel it. And at that point, you stick with that, you're able to run that for a while. And still, I recommend only using that when you feel like you're really dragging behind and using a non-stim. Otherwise, if you're looking for performance benefits, because performance benefits aren't only in the form of caffeine, that's not what it's about. Your betaine anhedrous, your beta alanine, they help with blood flow, they help with buffering your muscles against uh, lactic acid. So that way you don't get sore, you have more power output. Let's say you can normally get six reps, you might get seven or eight now that kind of thing, which is endurance. Yeah, the caffeine on top of that, and it feels great and all, but you're putting your body through a lot of stuff it doesn't necessarily have to be put through. Um, A lot of bodybuilders I talk to who have gotten a little more enlightened on the caffeine aspect recommend, like, if you got a really heavy deadlift day, back day, or really heavy squat day, where weight's going up and you're worried about just putting weight on the bar more than anything else, you know, fine, take your high stem pre-workout, go crazy, but the majority of your workouts, probably 60 to 80% should be spent with a lower stem pre-workout because caffeine is a vasoconstrictor, which means it's going to limit blood flow. Normally, that dosage will range depending on your body weight and things like that. A lot of pre-workout companies and supplement companies try to say it's around 350, so the dose right under that. I find that to be a little excessively high. I notice that I struggle to get a pump um, if I don't have enough food, water, or pump products in a pre-workout if it's anywhere over 200 honestly and i've spent time i've done 400 milligram pre-workouts 500 milligrams pre-workout i've slammed two scoops of 400 milligram pre-workouts before and let me tell you that's not a good idea and you definitely are going to feel like you're going to die or if you're at the point where you're overdoing stims like that for a long period of time you may not even notice it and so it's going to be a hard thing to do but take two weeks completely off caffeine a month if you can Go back to one scoop, even half a scoop, and it's going to hit you again. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take that long for your body to filter that out and get back to normal. It's just going to suck. You're going to get headaches. You don't have caffeine and you're used to it. You may get a caffeine withdrawal headache, but it'll be worth it because then you won't have to spend as much money on energy drinks and pre-workout. So save a little bit of money and some mental headspace as well. Yeah, and, and even with the knowledge that we're sharing, this isn't this isn't a, an okay to go try any kind of pre-workout. This is not us telling you what to take. 
Um, you know, because again, everybody's body is different. Uh, you may have a, you know, unknown heart condition. And then when you take this caffeine, uh, the excessive caffeine itself can trigger a fast and irregular heart rhythm, you know, and ultimately what does that lead to cardiac arrest, um, or cardiac infarction. Okay. Your, your body or, you know, a heart attack per se, you know, so understand and know that the knowledge and information that we're sharing when it comes to, you know, supplements and pre-workouts, uh, this is just knowledge from what we have experienced in ourselves. Uh, we are not um, qualified to say, you know, what you, you know, what is good for your body um, without the proper um, education, knowledge of, you know, chemical compounds and everything that is put together in pre-workout. So still be careful, be mindful. Um, if you've never taken a pre-workout at all before, get you a no-stim, see how your body responds to the things that are in most pre-workouts regardless, minus the caffeine, uh, and see how that goes first. But again, like John said, if you're going to go into a stim, be mindful of your dose. If it gives you an option of two doses, take the lesser dose. Okay, Don't, don't jump in don't, and scoops. Don't dive in head first into you know, a pool that ain't got no water in it, okay? Because you will eventually hit that bottom and it's going to hurt. So. Uh, just be mindful with, you know, with everything that you're doing. I want you to put just as much emphasis in what you're putting in your body as, as, as much as, you know, what you do to make your body look and feel the way that it needs to look and feel. And you may think it's funny that, like, he has to mention that. But, I mean, you've seen – I've seen people make some really silly mistakes. There's a girl who I knew. She went and picked up a pre-workout. It was um, the Kill It by Rick Piana, Rick Piana uh, or something like that. It's about 250 to 300 milligrams of scoop. And she read one scoop for six to eight ounces of water. She had a 16-ounce water bottle, so she thought she should just do two scoops. I don't know how that thought process works out, but just be mindful that people do make silly mistakes. And she ate that mistake considering she had never had that much caffeine in one shot before mm. and was a recovering drug addict from meth. Oh, wow. And so she did not like how that went with her body and how she reacted yeah, to that. So, so that was a hard time. Yeah, just be mindful, everybody. Just be mindful. So our other question was with nutrition um, as far as protein. So our big podcast topic today is going to be nutrition. But this question was about protein intake and taking a protein powder. Will it make you gain weight? And are they healthy for you? Um, can you read the full question to me, Josh? Make sure. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, what is the point of the protein powders? Uh, so if you want to just start with that, the whole purpose of the protein yeah. powder is. So for most people, they do not eat enough protein for their fitness goals or they don't get in very high quality protein whey protein isolate concentrate's not great but whey protein itself is a pretty high quality protein it's fast digesting the purpose of taking a protein supplement is different depending on your goals as a person now if you're looking to gain muscle mass you're working out you're looking for recovery you'll use protein to help get your daily protein up and have a fast digesting source right after your workout or in the morning or something like that a lot of people take protein powders who don't even work out and the purpose for that is again they don't eat enough protein in their diet. They're looking for a way to supplement more protein. Whole food is almost always the better answer. And then supplement when it's necessary with a protein powder. And a good time to do that being post-workout if someone who lifts. That way you get the initial spike in protein and your protein synthesis kicks off and you're able to turn over protein into muscle mass more readily, more steadily. Now, the studies haven't shown that that's to a great extent, but when you're squeezing that 1% out of everything you can to get better, it's worth doing. But... For the average person just looking to work out, protein powder is going to be an easy way to get more protein in during the day. Yeah, and just to you know, bounce off that, when you're doing training, especially if you're doing you know, competition training or if you consider yourself an athlete, 
to where when you go into the gym, it's not just exercise for you. It's not just health for you. You're putting that extra strain on your body, the extra strain on that tissue to get results, to see results. You do have an anabolic window where that muscle is craving exactly what is needed for it to grow properly. And then that is where your protein powder comes in. I do not recommend doing a training session and not having something, uh, such as you said, that is fast absorbing for your muscles and your body to perceive, to allow it to grow, to allow the energy to get in there, allow it to begin to uh, naturally start recovering without causing more damage or eating away from itself. So I would encourage everybody to find you a protein powder that um, is, is you know, it tastes good, breaks down good, something that you like so that after your workout, like I look forward to my shake yeah. after my workout. When I, when, I put, when I go grab that shake, I already know it's like, you know what? I'm one step ahead of the game. Yeah, you know. But again, I add extra stuff to mine, you know, to to give to give it a a, a fuller effect of what what I'm looking to achieve. And to bounce off that, a lot of studies have shown like the anabolic window being something that's not as important, especially for the average individual. But when you're looking at squeezing the best and most out of everything, that's something you want to utilize. And it's one of those like you have to think about a two hour window before it really starts to make a huge difference in a lot of recent studies. But everyone's consensus is why freaking wait. So it's not inconvenient or difficult to drink a protein shake after workout for anybody I've talked to. Or if anyone's tried to say it's inconvenient, it's easily been debunked. It's something you can easily have ready. Um, They have small containers, Ziploc bag, whatever. You can always have protein powder with you. Yeah, and, you know, to to understand, okay, a couple hours. Usually you're eating something, Mm -hmm. you know, every couple hours. When you're hungry, when your stomach sends the message to your brain and says, look, feed me. You're already behind, okay? And what I mean by that is you should never receive a message from your body telling you that you're hungry because if you do, your muscles have already been under attack. And for that 1% that we're looking to receive, whether it's in strength gains, muscle growth, or both, you need to continue to give your body what it needs to at least protect it, okay? If you're hungry, put the protein in your body, your muscle tissue's not being eaten, it will then tap into your fat cells, Okay, it'll start to generate for um, generate fuel from the fat cells that are actually on your body. Put the protein in there. The muscle is protected. Okay, so do not allow yourself to get hungry. And this is you know this is pertaining more to you know your bodybuilder. You're one that is actually looking for all that muscle tissue to grow, and you don't ever want to lose any of it. You know, so when you get hungry, you're like, oh god, I gotta eat something. Like I keep two jugs of protein in the back of my truck at all times. Because I work so much, if I if I know that I'm not going to be able to literally sit down and eat a meal, I'm definitely going to put something in there to at least protect my muscle tissue and not sacrifice that just because I don't have time to sit down and put extra carbs and stuff inside my body, okay? Actually sit down and have a meal. So keep protein on standby and understand that, again, when you are hungry, when you feel that craving and that stomach is gurgling, your muscles are already under attack, Okay. Next part of the question is, will the protein powder that you take, will it make you gain weight and how often should you take protein? So as far as weight gain, that's going to be consistent upon your, you know, calories in versus calorie out, calories out. So if you're in a surplus, no matter what you eat, you're going to gain weight. You know, you may be better off eating a higher quantity of protein in a surplus than you are eating a bunch of sugar because protein, again, it's, it's hard. It's a metabolically difficult process to convert protein into body fat, but it does happen and will happen. But sugar is much easily um, stored as triglycerides on the body. Now, as far as 
gaining weight itself depends on the protein powder. If you have a mass gainer and you don't realize it, you're looking at a bolus of calories coming in. True. Anywhere between three, eight, and a thousand calories. Or more. Or more. Yeah, they have some out there. And they are rough on your stomach. I do not recommend mass gainers unless you have an iron stomach because they are hard on your digestion unless you get a really high quality one. And you're going to pay a pretty penny for that. More expensive than just eating. And then as far as... Um, some protein powders may be two, 250 calories and still only 30 grams of protein. They're going to be stacked with a bunch of extra fat and sugar. So I always recommend people getting a weight isolate that's around 120 calories a scoop. Maybe 110, maybe 130, even 140, maybe a little extra fat and sugar. Depends if you're willing to accept a little extra fluff to make it taste better. But most weight isolate pre- uh, proteins these days actually taste pretty damn good. And on top of that, most of them are going to be lower in calories than, say, like a concentrate. Also, whey isolate has less lactose, and there's also whey hydrosylate, which has no lactose, which is a lot easier to digest on your system. But again, that's more expensive. So whey isolate is your most cost-effective for being a healthy quality one. Um, some shit proteins I can name out there are ones that are anything that are milk protein-based. So like the Ready Drink Premier Proteins or Muscle Milks, a lot of those are pretty low quality. It's still better than not getting in any protein, but it is going to take a toll on your digestion. I agree with that. Um, I used to actually do the um, the Premier Proteins. The ready um, drinks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you just twist the cap. It says 30 grams. It's less than a gram of sugar and 160 calories. And you're like, oh, yeah, sure. Why not? Bam. Bloated you know, 20 minutes later. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, or the fiber's a little high, so you stay gassy or, you know, stuff like that. Now, you know, for me, I'm going to do what I feel like I need to do. It, you know, again, yeah. it, you know. A half a bullet is better than no bullet, okay? Yeah. So, um, again, make sure that you're really feeding your body. Another good protein uh, is a casein protein, okay? If you're if you're looking to gain weight but you're not trying to, you know, take in a lot of extra calories, you're not trying to take in um, a lot of extra sugars and stuff, get you a casein. It's a little slower digesting, so your body has a little bit of extra time to feed off of it more. Um, if you're going to take in a casein, again, if you're looking to – you know, not just secure your muscle growth and your muscle tissue, but to be able to allow your body to eat a little something that will protect it and not be as hungry in the mornings. Uh, casein is ideal at nighttime. Um, and the thing is, is, you know, casein and whey both are in, are in milk. Okay. And if you separate those, okay, you get your whey, you get your casein. So if you are a dairy fan, you know, don't, you don't necessarily have to steer away from that. But when you do make a dairy choice, again, like, you know, John is explaining here, you have to be mindful of what is actually in your protein powder, okay? Um, But for me, as far as a mass gainer, um, I've never really explored into a mass gainer. I've strictly stuck to exactly what you said. I find me a high dose percentage of protein, uh, right about 90% pure through the whey isolates, I uh, try to steer clear of just straight whey uh, because the protein percentage of pureness, uh, again, depending on the brand, it's it's an it's, it's an insane world, you know. But I, I strictly stay isolate. I strictly stay isolate. You know, Bondi's like, what protein should I get? I was like, I don't care as long as it's isolate. Give your body as much of the protein as it can as it can receive at at a time. So, um, uh, I also had a question uh, sent to me, um. A guy that I went to school with, he said, what is it about me that keeps you motivated? <laughs> you know, why stay motivated for me? Why why be inspired for me? You know, and the thing is, is, again, we're only as strong as the people we help. We're only going to get as far as the people we bring with us. 
you know, and, and when I train and when I work out, don't get me wrong, I do it for myself. You know, I, I have to do it for myself, but I also want to be able to do it for everybody else that feels like they are unable to do it. Um, they don't know where to start. They don't know where to go. You know, they, they don't have the education. They don't have the knowledge. You know, you get you know, the stereotypes of, you know, the infomercials and stuff that people see on TV, you know, come to the gym and do this and do that. And you got this chiseled guy or this lean chick that's just bone in a bikini, you know, and it, and it, it messes with people's minds, you know, and I have a, I have a slogan, I have a saying, and you know, it keeps sexy alive and it's, it's deeper than literally what you may see on TV or an infomercial or a diet plan or, you know, you go into a gym depending on what gym you go to, you see some people in there that obviously look like they stay in a gym. Uh, my experience outside of a couple specific gyms, uh, the shop gym in Manassas is being one of them. Like you go in there, every single person looks like they lift everything in there. You know, and then you go to your, you know, um, like Gold's Gym used to be the same way. You know, but uh, you go to, you know, certain home gyms or smaller facilities, franchises, Planet Fitness for one. You know, you go in there, a lot of people in there, they don't necessarily look like they lift. Um, but it's good to see them in there. It's good to see them exercising and everything else. You know, so no matter where you go, when you're doing training, when you're doing, you know, lifting, and you see people, they're going to watch you, especially if you know what you're doing for one and for two, you look like you know what you're doing. You know, smile, acknowledge them, you know, let them know that, you know, make them feel welcomed. Okay. Because we want to grow healthy. We want to be healthy. We want people to be able to reach out that are, you know, two, three, four, five hundred pounds overweight, don't know what to do with their life, completely down on themselves, don't know what step to take, whether they should get up and walk or sit down and give up. Like every day we're in there lifting, we are affecting the person that we don't even know is paying attention. Yeah, there's always somebody watching, especially there's when they always know somebody what we do. We coach the way we act, the way we talk to everybody. There's yes. always somebody who pays attention to that. Now, some people may get a sour taste because they don't like a certain aspect about it. But for the most part, I'd say that, you know, the way you hold yourself in a gym is going to be important. And if you're good, people are going to come up, talk to you, ask you questions. You're going to be able to help people. Or you can be like the people who walk around like they're on a high horse. I'm fit. I'm jacked. I'm better than you. Yeah. Attitude. I'm stronger than you. Get the hell out of my way. I'm lifting here. Get out of my mirror. Whatever the attitude is. And people like that leave a sour taste in people's mouths for sure. And I encourage people not to be like that. And anybody I surround myself with isn't like that because I don't put up with that shit. Because I'm there for me to better myself but also better those with me and anybody along the way who wants help. Absolutely. You know, I'm not going to – I will literally <laughs> let my workout go to shit helping somebody else and i try not to let that happen but like if somebody asks me a question i'll sit there and i'll explain something to them i'll explain why i'm doing it. i'm explaining why they should or should not do it i'll explain to them you know how to do something properly if they're doing something wrong if all they have to do is ask even if it takes away from me because i'm willing to give and that's also what i do is really i give i care a lot about my coaching and giving to others and helping others get stronger get better get in better shape be more confident be better people be more outgoing whatever it is yeah you know in the you know going off of that, you know, giving your time, giving your effort, you know, and that's what keeping sexy alive is. Everybody's vision of who they really want to be is never the same. They're all different. One of them might be, Hey, look, I want to lose two sizes to them in their mind's eye. That's, that's their sexy. Okay. So keep it alive. Drop those two sizes and maintain it. Keep it alive. It'll only die if you quit. 
Like, I'm not trying to bring sexy back. I am sexy. I feel sexy. I think sexy. <laughs> I express sexy. But it's it's not an arrogant way of me putting it out there because it's a mindset. It's not an image. You know, you should feel sexy. You should think you're sexy. And if you're not, work towards what your yeah. mind tells you is. Exactly. Yeah, what are you missing to make yourself feel that way? Exactly. What's in your blueprint that you're missing? What what shift needs to be made for you to feel confident about yourself like that? Absolutely. 100%. Because, like, you look at a guy like me who wants to look like a bodybuilder, like, when I was a teenager, I just, I would have killed to look how I look now. You know, yeah. like, I just wanted to be skinny. I just wanted to be skinny and lean, you know, and a little bit of muscle. Then I got there, I'm like, I don't like how I look right now, so mm-hmm. let's get jacked. And, you know, so, and that, that'll change over time, too. Your goals may change, they may not. And there's no shame in hitting a spot and being like, I am happy here, as long as you're still pushing yourself and maintaining that, you know. Because you don't always, like, you can lift and want to gain muscle and not want to look like a bodybuilder. You can be strong and not want to be a power lifter. I, I want to be strong, but I don't want to look like a power lifter by any means. A lot of power lifters. Yeah, me neither. And so there's that, like, <laughs> in a mad respect to everybody out there, you no know, strong. Doubt. If any of you are listening who, you know, 800-pound squatters with a big old belly, that's good for you. If you're happy there, good. Now, me personally, that's not the path I want to choose, and that's why bodybuilding is more my calling. However, at the same time, you know, there's small power lifters who lift a shit ton of weight. So it's yeah. all a matter it's of, that dense you know, tissue. It is. It's that dense tissue. You know, for me, it's, I grew up, you know, the same way. Overweight, you know, uh, heavier kid, fat kid, got into a lot of issues, fights and stuff like that. And, um, you know, for me, it's just, I want to be as healthy as I can be. I want to look as healthy as I can look. Um, I enjoy, you know, blander foods. I enjoy putting, you know, certain things in my body. Like when I, when I, when I think of condiments, mayonnaise and mustards and stuff, I just like, Oh God! When someone oh. throws mayonnaise on a sandwich, mustard's I one thing. I like mustard. Yeah. I like mustard. I see people eat mayonnaise; it literally makes it to the stomach. It's <laughs> kind of it's kind of bad. <laughs> I mean, but that's just me personally. Yeah. Like a- another thing I had discussed, like I don't want to be seen in a drive-through. It's embarrassing to me. Oh yeah, personally, like for myself, I drive somewhere with Katie. She wants to stop and get food, and I, I hate it if we drive through somewhere and I'm in my car and everyone knows me. Back in our hometown, they're like, "Oh, John, you were at McDonald's yesterday." I'm like, "I was not at McDonald's yesterday. I don't eat <laughs> that garbage. You will never see me eating that garbage." And you so know, it's super funny. I mean, just just for me. It, I mean, I don't know. Lonnie would be like, "You got issues," and, and that, that's, tr- that's <laughs> true. That's true too. Yeah, we do. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's true too. Issues, not denying that, you know, but it's 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 my personal preference. It's my personal. It's your piece. It's it. your yeah. happiness you yeah. know yeah no one can tell you you're bad because you don't want to eat like crap when they may feel bad that they do eat like crap you know it's, it's one of those and i may look at somebody who's slamming oreos down their throat if they're happy with who they are good for you yeah. i couldn't live like that and be happy but that's me and what i want to be versus you and what you're comfortable being yeah absolutely or if it's a cheat meal hey enjoy it yeah. if you want to add something a little extra sure yeah, cool. go get oh. a burger fries some five guys whatever and Go for it. Now, me, if I go for a burger and fries, I'm going to sit down place getting a burger and fries. Yeah, I'm going to enjoy okay. that burger and fries. Yeah, I'm not going to hit up a Big Mac, but yeah, everyone's no, got their it's preference. It's going to be a good burger. Yeah. It's going to be a good I got to go in for it. Like, if I'm getting <laughs> out, I'm going to get something good. I'm not going to get, like, Little Caesars pizza. If I'm getting pizza, I'm getting pizza. Yeah. You know, if, I, if I'm going to go and get something I wouldn't normally eat, I'm going to make sure it's good. Yeah. Um, At least if you're going to splurge on the calories and the and the no-good aspect of it, it should be top-notch, top-shelf. It yeah. should be top shelf. Uh, so nutrition. Yep. Now um, that we went on a tangent yeah. for 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> well, which is okay. We're still on the line of, of nutrition and, you know, going through, you know, the proper steps of understanding, you know, pre-workout is a big thing. You know, everybody wants to know what's up with pre-workout. Everybody should want to know what's up with protein. It is the, um, 
you know, that is the one thing that you put in your body that will ultimately allow your muscle tissue to stay safe and or grow. If you see a list of the most important things when losing weight, you'll see protein on that list, sleep on that list, water intake on that list above pretty much anything else, you know, along with your movement and calories. But, you know, it's going to be your calories, protein, water, sleep. And those are going to be huge things you need to worry about because if you don't sleep, you don't recover. You don't burn body fat as well if you don't sleep. Protein also is satiating and helps your body you take in less calories and it's also metabolically inefficient like we mentioned before to turn into body fat and then water helps everything it's like putting oil in your car you know you need water to function properly you want every mechanism to work you better be hydrated yeah uh it's funny that you say about putting oil in the car i ask people you know when i first start training them and finding out what they're eating and what they're putting in their bodies and it's like okay what kind of gas do you put in your car you know and they say you know what most people you know 89 some people 93 okay cool fine all right so what do you eat? You know, and then they, they spit out things that really just hold no value. That's not even 87. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so um, they, you know, they spit out these numbers. I mean, not numbers, sorry. You got me thinking the gas. <laughs> uh, they spit out these foods and it's like they're either empty calories or the, all the calories are just no good. Um, I'm like, okay, so take it like this. You put oil where in your car? You say, well, I put oil in, in the engine. You know, for the motor. Okay, cool. Where do you put your gas? The gas in the gas tank. Okay. So, would you put oil in your gas tank to make your car run? Well, no. Okay, so why put this, this, and this in your body to make it run? It's not going to run properly. It's not going to be as efficient. You know, so fuel your, bo- fuel your body for how you want it to work and how you want it to look. So, going into nutrition, I'll explain it about macros. For me, I keep a pretty good split uh, especially right now, you know, while we're going through the powerlifting, I've uh, got a couple competitions potentially coming up after the one in June, if everything works out accordingly, uh, and leading into bodybuilding. Now, again, depending on what you're looking for in your life, depends on what you're putting in your body, your macros count, your calorie intake, what you're burning off, when you're doing your training or you're working out or your exercises. For me, I keep a 40-40-20. And for those that don't understand uh, macros, macros themselves, of course, is your proteins, carbohydrates, and your fats, okay? And the 40-40-20 split for me is 40% of what I take in a day in my calorie count is carbohydrates. Uh, I usually stay right about 3, 350 on my heavier days uh, at 40% carbs. I like to stay right about the same with my protein. I like to get as close to 300 grams of protein I can a day, um, no less than 250. Um, and then I like to keep my fats as low as 20%, if not lower, if I can, um, depending on what I'm looking to do. Now, bodybuilding, that would be a different thing. Um, fat count will be a little bit higher at night, you know, which we, we have discussed. We'll let you tap into that aspect of it. But um, even, in, even in bodybuilding, I would cycle. You know, I would carb cycle. I would still do it. It's super beneficial to do. Oh, yeah, no doubt. So you'll have your, you know, I would start it, you know, Sunday would be my cheat meal. I would take in, you know, 300 grams of carbs up to 400 on Sunday. And then I I thought you were talking about a meal. I'm like, what the hell are you eating in that (laughs) meal? No, not in a meal, in a day. (laughs) Um, And then I would go to 250 on Monday. I'd go to two on Tuesday. And then I'd stay at 150 Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Okay. Um, so high, may, medium, may, medium, medium, low, 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 high. And then I'd be right back to 300 or, or a little bit higher on Sunday. Um, you know, and that's when Blondie and I, it, it was it was a go-to every Sunday we'd be at Blue Mountain Brewery. 
and I would eat one of those pizzas <laughs> that they have, and I would eat the whole thing. You know, and I was just sitting at 175 pounds waiting to hit a stage at 168. I couldn't tell you the last time I was 168. <laughs> I'm sitting at I'm sitting at like 220 right now, you know. And Same. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting at 220, and I will never go back down to 168. I tell you, you look a whole lot better at 168 than I looked at 168. <laughs> uh, well, I'll take that because yeah. I worked really hard to look like that, dude. I was lean. I was chopped. Um, I was 3.3% body fat three days out from stage day, so I lost a little bit more on the way. Um, but I was so lean that, I mean, I was amazed. Did you do that measurement with, um, what kind of body scan did you have? I did the in-body. In-body? Cool. Yeah, the in-body. I I tracked everything. And the, and the beautiful thing about it all is my muscle tissue stayed right about the same. I only sacrificed maybe two pounds. That's awesome. Uh, but I was, I'm talking about a heavy dose of protein. Like when I ate. It was protein. And like Haley, like Haley explains in his podcast, uh, pertaining to if, if that's really the only thing you're putting in outside of fibrous, uh, fibrous leafy vegetables and stuff for those that are listening. Um, you know, basically they're just a filler uh, to put in your gut. But my protein count's so high, the little bit of energy that that protein could produce for my body did. Uh, but it protected my tissue. Um, but... I would really focus on either getting you a 50-30-20 uh, split, 50 carb, 30 protein, So you like fat. using percentages for it? I, yeah. I, for me. For yeah. me, I prefer percentages. It's easier for people uh, that I train um, instead of them focusing on the gram aspect. Because yeah. the, the closer that they can get, you know, the blue at the 50 or, or 40, whatever their split is, the closer they can get those colors to those percentages – at the end of the day, look at they it, can yeah. see their grams like you know, it, yeah. at the end of the day. Don't focus on counting every single number of the food that you're putting in your body. Just look at your look at your look at your pie. Pie chart and look what's yep. full. Look right at it and say, Okay, I'm short on this. Okay, so either I need to eat a piece of chicken, uh, salmon, some kind of animal product, avocado, a protein shake. Almonds, whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter whatever you're putting in your body, it'll help you. And any client that I have ever trained, I tell them to get my fitness pal. Okay, now there's many other kinds out there, carb counter and everything else. But I don't get you to log all your food for me. I get you to log all your food for you. You have to take it to learn because you just log something mindlessly. Don't look at it. It's not teaching you. You have to take it, look at it, learn it. And a lot of people miss that jump of actually learning. But I feel like the majority of people actually, when they track and you have them track, will learn a lot about who they are, their habits, and what they do. And they kind of realize either, oh, I'm not doing so bad right now. I can just be better. Or, hey, I'm blowing this out of the water. That explains why I'm where I'm at. Well, it makes them mindful. Like a lot of people really truly don't know in a day's worth of food the damage or the good that they're doing to their body until they put it out in front of them. Like I've had, I've had clients that like, oh my God, I cannot believe that this was this many calories or this held that much fats. Like I thought this was healthy for me. And then they eat it and it's just like, everything's red. <laughs> it's like a 12 ounce piece of salmon with a baked potato with some Greek yogurt on the baked potato. And then you got some veggies that are, um, stir fried and some oil. Well, you look at the calories that is of like fats. 12 ounce piece of salmon. Yeah. Any like if you like fish, you like food and you got an appetite, anyone can eat 12 ounce piece of salmon. Anyway, oh, calories, that's like 900 calories or a thousand calories or so from salmon, maybe a little more. 
plus you got the baked potato on there, plus the Greek yogurt on there. So they're trying to be healthier, but you're adding all those calories in it. Like, yes, it's a high-quality food. It's healthy. Your heart probably thanks you for it as you got healthy fats. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, your body composition is like, oh, I can't keep up with this. Yeah, no. And again, that all this depends on the type of training that you're doing. Are you doing, you know, your heavy lifting? Are you adding cardio to it? Are you doing two-a-days? Is one of your days strictly just cardio just to keep the body fat down? You know, you can't take one plan and expect it to work for everybody. Yeah. So when we're giving you these ideas, they have to be implemented to what your daily routine really is. So when you look at training, like high-intensity training till failure, you can't just do that with a high-volume split at the same time and expect to recover and be under-eating throughout it. And then you're like, oh, I got injured. Well, no shit, you got injured. You couldn't yeah. recover. And you train seven days a week till failure. Like, you've got to function everything properly. And then with diet, like he was talking about macros. And for those of you who don't know, you know, you've got your protein, fats, and carbs, like you mentioned. Fats are going to be your most calorie-dense uh, macronutrient, 9 calories per gram. Proteins are 4 calories per gram, and carbs are 4 calories per gram. On a side note, there's alcohol, which has its own separate calorie count. So an alcohol per gram of 100% alcohol, you've got 7 grams of cal- seven grams, ah, seven calories per gram of alcohol. Sorry, 7 calories per gram of alcohol. So when you look that in, like even clear alcohol, there's no nutrition label on the... Um, bottle i've seen fitness enthusiasts who kind of don't know what they're talking about and talking out of their rear talk about oh you're a zero calorie drink take a zero calorie carbonated flavored beverage pour it in with vodka or gin or something like some clear alcohol that they're drinking and you've got a zero calorie alcohol beverage i'm like no you don't alcohol (laughs) is two things alcohol seven calories per gram and sugar Mm -hmm. it's all it is and so at that point you gotta really look into now clear alcohols are your best bet if you are someone who's going to drink opposed to like a darker one which is going to have more sugar but <laughs> putting that in perspective like he said he uses percentages with a lot of his clients for a while I used to now I kind of just look at things as a whole with clients and how I kind of approach taking a client or myself is like female clients I'll usually start at around this isn't this is depending on what they're already doing but I'll take somebody let's say who isn't tracking their calories they're overweight they're trying to lose weight and they're kind of all over the place I'll start them at let's say female 2,000 calories the average male 3,000 they follow that for a week um at that point I'm not tracking macros usually if I am I'll start with um uh, gram of protein per pound of um, lean body mass or something like that fats i won't take women under 40 i won't take men under 60 in most situations um i'll try to keep them above there and that's just for the hormone aspect women need more fat to function hormonally you know, they function off of hormones a lot more than men do and have a lot more fluctuations in the hormones so if you have a woman on a little bit higher fat they're going to feel and function a lot better as well um, you got to think steroid hormones you know androgens and things like that function off of cholesterol and fats so you have to keep that in mind because you dump your fats too low you can't produce enough testosterone or whatever else um sorry that went a little too deep on the science and on this basically <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll hit a cast with that we'll definitely hit a cast with but that there's a lot with it um but anyway so if i take a male at three thousand calories a day you weigh in monday sunday whatever his weighing day is next week he weighs in he's up two pounds okay i drop him down to 2800 calories all right, next week again, boom. Okay, he's down two pounds. We stay there. Next week again, he's down two pounds. Good. Next week again, okay, he's not down any weight. Let's drop 27. And we go there. Or at that point, I may add in cardio. Okay, do 15 minutes of cardio three times a week um, with some sort of parameter on speed, on a treadmill, whatever I'm going to have him do. I'll give him something to do. Try to increase his output a little bit. At that point, weight's probably going to start dropping again, and we'll just continue that process. Um, and then we'll take breaks from cardio, breaks from diet, whatever, along the way, depending on how much body fat the guy's trying to lose and whatever. Single as a female. 2,000 calories may sound like a lot compared to what a lot of people start you at. But if you're an overweight female who's struggling to lose weight, 
chances are you're over 2,000 calories as it is. So if I start you tracking at 2,000 calories and you find that that's actually kind of hard if you eat what you normally eat you're to stay under, or you might find it hard to get to. You stick to that over a couple-week period. We're going to see what averages for your weight. We're either going to knock down the food or maybe even bump up the food. Chances are we're not going to be bumping up over 2,000 anytime soon, but we'll slowly bring that down. Rather than arbitrarily being like, okay, you're a 180-pound female. You want to get down to 140 pounds. Here's 1,400 calories a day. Okay, and then we have to knock you down to 1,200 when you stagnate. And then at that point, I can't go much lower. Okay, I'm going to make a woman eat 1,000 calories a day. You know how hard that is to eat 1,000 calories a day? And then do cardio on top of that and work out. It's not realistic, it's not sustainable, and at that point, the moment you start eating a bunch, you're going to put weight back on. So I like to start food higher, that way you have tools to pull back from. You know, if you're going to a job and you bring all your tools in the house, you only need a few of them, pain in the ass, you know. Or you leave them at that job site. Let's say you bring all your tools into one job site. You go to another job site. Shit, I threw all my tools. I have got nowhere to pull from. But you want to keep some tools in the toolbox so you have them available to use. Cardio is a tool. Diet is a tool. Learn how to use it. Learn how to manipulate it. Because that way you don't have anybody doing excessive amounts of cardio, excessive amounts of extreme dieting because you have less than tools in the toolbox. So one of the first things, one of the first things that I would recommend a lot of people when I would first start uh, the training outside of the percentages is the simple fact of think of a zone diet. And a lot of people... A zone diet, you basically, you want to eat as much of the rainbow as you can, okay? For those that don't understand the rainbow, I'm not talking about Skittles, okay? <laughs> I'm talking about fruits and veggies. Uh, many take, colors. Yeah, many colors. So look at your plate, turn it into uh, a third, okay? And one third puts you a protein, okay? Pick your protein, all right? And then the other two thirds of that plate make it the rainbow, Okay? That way, if you want to start practicing healthier eating, even without any extra changing, if you are not eating properly or don't even know if you're not eating properly and you still want to lose some weight, try the zone diet, okay? Eliminate eliminate a lot of breads, a lot of pastas, anything that's really heavy in starches. Uh, and again, go more, stay as Mediterranean as you can, okay? Inside your own taste buds. The things that you can actually enjoy, Without tapping into, you know, high sugar stuff, high starch stuff, uh, a lot of white breads, steer clear from white breads because it's a sugar bread. Um, but stick to the rainbow and try just the rainbow and the protein. You know, do that for one week. Literally, like, be dedicated for that seven days. You know, healthy breakfast. Make sure you get a breakfast. You're breaking your fast, okay? The more food that you put in your body throughout a day, not in abundance, but in quantity throughout a day, the higher your metabolism is going to stay. As long as you're putting a little something in your body frequently throughout the day, it's going to help your metabolism stay high. And it's going to allow your body to naturally burn fat just by breaking down your foods on a consistent basis. If you can keep your metabolism high, you'll burn more calories. You'll burn more fat. If it drops and spikes and drops and spikes, it's going to do the same thing, but it's not going to be as effective. You're going to average out and kind of exactly. take a put. And so that's something they call, um, there's no such thing as like a broken metabolism really. And they've kind of, they throw that term around. Some people get really mad when they use it, but I understand why they use it because there's something called metabolic downregulation. Well, what does that sound like? Broken metabolism. Mm-hmm. I think it's all weird, wigged out by it, but it's not that it's broken. It's not that it's damaged. It's just that you're downregulated. If you eat a thousand calories a day for a long period of time, your body's going to learn to be as efficient as possible on a thousand calories a day. Now, most people 
thousand calories is really low and hard to stick to. And if you think you're eating thousand calories a day, you're probably wrong. <laughs> but if you have somebody dieting down for a long period of time, your metabolism is down regulated. There's something called the thermic effect of food. You burn calories, as Josh was saying, from digesting food. Protein has Protein's the highest high. thermic effect, yeah, followed by carbs. The lowest thermic effect is from fat. Another reason why keto diet is kind of retarded, but <laughs> we can that's, that that's for personal podcast. preferences. Personal, here. Preference. personal preferences here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it has its uses, and um, but it's effective. It it's effective. You know, it's, the, you know, it's just effective. It's, it's effective just, yeah. on the on the on the visual aspect, but for me personally, as a trainer, and you know, I know you as well, understanding what fats. An overdose of fats can really do to your body, your arteries mainly. If someone doesn't understand health and nutrition, I'm, oh, I'm throwing butter in my coffee. My yeah. blood pressure is going to be better. All this, all this stuff. And then you look at the triglycerides, cholesterol's up. And I'm like, yeah, you ate bacon, cheese, and butter. Like what happened to olive oil, macadamia nuts, seeds, yep. um, almonds, avocados, like fats versus – and like – oils versus junk with those fats yep. so i see a lot of people abuse the keto diet that's the solid yeah. fats that we were talking about yeah uh, on the previous podcast yeah if it's room temperature and it's a th- solid you should probably avoid it <laughs> um, as far as fats go but um as far as the down regulation goes guess what it goes in return if you eat five thousand calories a day every day your body becomes very efficient at the five thousand calories now eventually there's too high and eventually there's too low if you go low enough your body will inevitably lose weight I don't care if you say, oh, I'm in a deficit. You're not if you're not losing weight. But if you're down-regulated, your deficit may only be 800 calories, and that's not feasible to get you down that low. Now, gaining weight, someone says, you know, oh, if I eat 5,000 calories, I gain weight. Well, yeah, most people will. I have only met a few people who regularly eat 5,000 calories and still struggle to gain weight. And 5,000 calories of good food is really hard to get down. Just saying. <laughs> but I struggled, um, I struggled with 3,500 there for a while. I was doing 4,000 and it was a push. Yeah. And I'm back down to about 3,400 right now, 3,500. And I'm going to do another push here soon. But with that goes, like, I used to maintain weight, struggling to eat 1,400 calories a day. I would throw up if I ate more. I'd try mm-hmm. to eat less, whatever else. And doing that, like, I never got any better looking. I'd get lower, lower, lower in body weight, throwing up, whatever, taking in less, and I'd climb back up, trying to eat more, and it would just bounce. But if you train your body to eat at a certain amount, it's going to become efficient at that amount of food. Now, again, like I said, there's high that's too high, there's low that's too low. No matter what, if you go too high, you're going to gain weight. If you go too low, you're going to lose weight. But if you can slowly increase your calories without increasing the scale, and you can make a bigger abundance of food you can eat. Is that not a good thing for the most part? Yes. You know, because then you can enjoy, oh, I'm going to have a burger and fries today and don't have to worry about going over on the scale versus that burger and fry being your whole day worth of calories. Now, your muscle mass is going to come into that. Your output, your activity, everything is going to come into that. The more energy you take in, the more likely you are to burn off more energy moving. If you diet down and you're starving yourself, guess what? You're cold. Your hands are cold. Your feet are cold. Thyroid's not functioning great. You are barely moving. You move very slow. I'm sure you, your last few weeks of prep, I'm sure your movements felt slow. Everything felt oh, slow. Look, so it's yeah. funny you say that because I was like two days out maybe. I know the comp- So actually it was on a Wednesday. Um, I was supposed to be going to work, right? And That didn't happen then, did it? <laughs> so my last week before the competition, Wednesday was my last day um, because I had I was taking in 175 grams of protein a day and I was taking in 30 grams of carbohydrates a day. So I would take a half a sweet tater and then everything else was fibrous. Okay. But I had alarms set for when I could eat, how much I could eat. And I would get to work. I would start at nine. I would be laying down to go to sleep by 11, 30, 12 o'clock right there. 
didn't matter how hot it was outside, didn't matter what I was laying on, I didn't want to go nowhere, I didn't want to move. I literally just laid there. Like, my energy, I wake up, I'm like, yeah, all right, I'm ready to rock and roll. Ten minutes later. <laughs> Bro, and then it's like, I'm looking at my watch, and I'm like, is my alarm ever going to go off? I need some food. And then my boss, my boss at the time, Sean Durkin, which does SCD Fine Home Building up in New Hampshire, he's done bodybuilding. And the crazy part about it is our, our buddy, Carl uh, Monsoor, which I call him Carl. he was a bodybuilder. And he used to be out in California, met Arnold, Franco Colombo, all of them. He's got pictures. You know, so he'd look at me and be like, you're feeling it, ain't you? He's like, you should just go home and relax, man, because you're going to need it. <laughs> so that Wednesday, I'm putting my socks on. I'm not thinking anything of it, right? And Blondie was in the sunroom at our apartment before we moved into our house. And she's like, you doing okay over there? And I looked at her and I was like, yeah, wow. She's like, that sock was a struggle. <laughs> and like, I was breathing heavy, like bending over to put my sock on. It was, it was like, are you kidding me right now? So the side of the, you get too big and it's hard to bend over and put your socks on. You get too lean, it's hard to bend <laughs> over and put your socks on. So yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely a, uh, a humbling experience, um, you know, to, to say the least. But the beautiful aspect of it all was the self-discipline, not letting myself down. I didn't care what anybody else did. They're like, man, you look, you look like you're exhausted. I'm like, yeah, step into my world. Yeah. Like you, know, you have no idea. Um, my last weeks in training, cause I was doing two a days. I was still doing my training. It, it was emotional, bro. Like I was so far in my head and in, in my feelings and emotions, like I would be crying during my workout. Cause I knew the pain that was driving me to get to where I needed to be. I seen myself on stage. I seen myself winning. I seen myself doing whatever it took and nothing was going to stop me. Nothing whatsoever. And it's like that pain is what got me there that I had experienced in my life. Now, don't get me wrong. I didn't walk away with a medal. I was kind of upset like that. But you know, <laughs> uh, I say, I say, you know, top 10 out of 78 on my first go. I felt like that was that was respectful. Uh, the guys that were there, I was definitely so much more conditioned uh, than they were. But my first bodybuilding experience, no, no real true posing coach training. Uh, my shorts were... Obviously, way, way too, too big, big for me. Um, they were they were you know like double XLs. I should have been wearing mediums. Um, and then you know of course my body's covered in tattoos. That hit me with some points. Uh, I kept my beard on. Uh, it was low cut, but yet still they prefer no facial hair. So I lost points for um, my shorts and my beard. And I kind of feel like had I had the right shorts and the right beard, I would have placed. Uh, so. You know, we're looking for 2022 to put that place on board. Um, first first time on stage in a while. And yeah, to be the first time. And I'll be doing classic. I won't yeah. be doing physique. I'm going to keep my body fat percentage right about 7 or 8 as long as I look good at 7 or 8%. If I need to go a little lower for classic, I'm cool with that because I got down into the twos uh, for physique. But physique, I will not do again. Uh, I want to stay as big as I can. I don't I don't want to have to trim Nibs down. Skinny. Yeah, I, I'm not... I'm, and plus my hips, my hips and my waist and stuff is too thick. Um, you know, I'm more of a bulky body. I'm not a, I'm not a Ken, man. I'm not a, <laughs> not I'm a, not a, Ken, I'm not a Ken doll, man. I'm one of those dudes you look at like, yeah, okay, he lifts. The other ones are like, okay, you dress. I lift and dress. But, um. Just to impress. Yeah. Matching every day. Oh, definitely matching, baby. Definitely yeah. matching. Look at the shows, like, movement-wise, you're starving down so low. It is hard to function and move. That is show your energy output is much lower. No nutrition. Versus when you're eating up bowls of food, your energy output should be much higher. Now where that comes in between is lifestyle. Somebody's lazy, 
they eat a lot, they don't move much. You gain a lot weight more than the skinny guy who can eat anything, but guess what? He's also moving constantly. He's fidgeting. He's tapping. He's clicking a pen. He's constantly moving something. That goes to show a lot. Studies have shown that ra- rather than lack of metabolism through genetics in people, it's more your lifestyle and your habits affected more so. Now, there are hyper-responders to exercise, people who don't respond as well to exercise, people who literally struggle to put on weight and they can eat whatever they want and it's also appetites related if i take a skinny guy and tell him to eat three thousand calories a day he fucking struggles mm. four thousand calories a day they struggle versus i take a big guy eat four thousand calories a day probably still gonna struggle but like not near as much and they'll get it down and they'll mm-hmm. get it down for five consecutive days the skinny man might get it down for two days and he doesn't eat for two days because he was too full for the next two days mm-hmm. it's that hormone response your ground your left and all that ties into it we'll bring that up again in another podcast though as well i know we kind of were a little all over the place but i hope this helps you guys get started with your nutrition and kind of get an outlook on it and simplifying it like it really is as simple as just trying to eat a little bit better the rainbow zone diet fueling yourself you know you don't have to overcomplicate it with every scientific detail you know just get started start somewhere reach out for help talk to one of us talk to a coach um catch us with questions throughout the week on our q a's we'll get your questions answered on the podcast hopefully have a guest on here for you guys soon any message you'd like to leave the listeners with josh just be thankful for the things that you have don't worry about the things that you don't have keep working and grinding to get to where you want to be where you need to be uh, the good Lord will provide for you no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what struggles you got going on, no matter what situations you may have in your relationships, whether it's at home, whether it's at work, whether it's, um, you know, personally with yourself, you know, don't get too down on yourself. Don't be too hard on yourself. Understand and know that we are human. Understand and know that you got to be really bad at something before you can become really good at it. But you have to be willing to fall down, get back up, fall down, get back up, fall down, get back up, fall down, get back up. Etc. 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 Repeat that a hundred uh, times. Yeah, repeat it a hundred times, and then repeat it a thousand more times, because that's the only way you're going to grow, and that's the only way you're going to learn. But it's people like us that want to help you, so don't hesitate to reach out. Again, no matter what question you have to ask, it can be some of the most bizarre things. It doesn't have to be fitness related. Doesn't have to be family related, educated related. It could be anything. What's your favorite color? I prefer blue. You know, but. Um, we really want to be able to connect uh, with everybody out there that does listen. Uh, positive feedback, you know, like, love, share, post. Uh, and again, we appreciate all the support that we have out there. I uh, love my family. Uh, love my blondie. We're getting married in July. So uh, blessings and prayers to everybody out there. And just stay focused, man. It's grind time, baby. All right. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for joining us on the Iron Legacy Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at the Iron Line underscore official or at Ellis Joshua M. We'll see you next time.